Let us stand in body or in spirit for the gospel reading. It happened that as he made his way towards Jerusalem, he crossed over the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men, all lepers, met him. They kept their distance but raised their voice, calling out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Taking a good look at them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. They went, and while still on their way, became clean. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. He couldn't thank him enough, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, Were not ten healed? Where are the nine? Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this outsider? Then he said to him, Get up, on your way. Your faith has healed and saved you. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Beloved sons, beloved daughters, I want to ask you your help with this part of the sermon. Would you say uh, a, a word after I say it? Grateful. Good. Okay, so that's, that's your response to the next question I'm about to ask you. Okay, you know your word? How are you? That response might just change the world. That response might change us. Can you imagine people coming up to you? And we, we toss off that question like it means nothing. How are you? Okay, how are you? I, some people don't even want to know. Some people say, how are you? You good? Okay, good. <laughs> what would happen? If the next person to ask you how you are, if you responded grateful, they would probably look at you with this quizzical expression and you would have to come up with something because you know they would say, what? Or what are you grateful for? It might make us more grateful people. Wouldn't it be profound if our reputation in Chatham was, oh, the United Methodists, for some reason, they're so grateful. Hang on to that for just a minute. So the passage that Zainab read to us today begins at a border place, a border crossing between Galilee and Samaria. It happened to be where a leper colony was living which makes all the sense in the world. Lepers who were cast out of community, cast out of their own families, cast out of their religious community because of some malady that they had, some disease that they had that made them ritually unclean to the religious police at the time. And so where did they end up? They were sent out of their country, they were sent out of their homes but the next country or culture did not receive them, wouldn't let them cross the border. This happens to this day. This is what happens with refugees. They are sent out of their own homes, and the bordering country will not receive them. 
My wife and I did some refugee relief work with UMCOR in 1999 in the Macedonian relief camps for Kosovar refugees. 350,000 Kosovar refugees fled Kosovo, flooded over the border in a matter of five days, 350,000 people, and they ended up in this squalor refugee camp. The Macedonians didn't want them. The Serbians didn't want them in Kosovo. They were left in this no-man's land. I looked up how many refugees there are in the world today, and it was astounding. I have to read these figures because it, it still doesn't sink in. 21.3 million people are refugees, according to the United Nations High Commission on Refugees. 21.3 million people. Internally displaced persons, people who couldn't make it across the border into the next country, 65.3 million people are internally displaced from their homes in their own country of origin. 65.3 million people. Do you know that every day, 34,000 people have to flee their homes? 34,000 every day in the world have to flee their homes. Over 50% of those people are under the age of 18. How many of you have kids under the age of 18? How many of you have grandkids under the age of 18? Somebody's kids and somebody's grandkids are refugees or internally displaced people. And that's exactly where Jesus would be. In the midst of the refugees, in the midst of the outcasts, in the midst of the marginalized, in the midst of those who are displaced from their own homes, shunned by their own people, and refused entrance by another culture. That is the border area where Jesus hangs out. And maybe where we followers of Jesus are called to be present as well and supportive of, and prayerful for. So Jesus hears the lepers plea to him, Lord, have mercy. He says, go and show yourself to the priest, which was the gatekeeper back into community. If they said to the priest, if the priest said that they were healed, they would automatically be allowed back with their families, back with their religious communities, back into their homes. They go, ten of them, on their way, they're healed. One of them foregoes going to the priest so that he can come back and fall at Jesus' feet and say, thank you. And the one that said thank you, he was a Samaritan. Do you hear the scandal of that? A Samaritan, not a faithful Jew. One of, one of the Samaritans. Which shows us that God doesn't care about what faith background we have. God wants us to be healed. God wants all people to be restored to community, to be re restored to communion, to be restored to relationship. Jesus doesn't ask what faith these ten are. Jesus doesn't ask what culture they are. 
Jesus doesn't ask anything about their righteousness or morality or ethics. He simply conveys God's desire that they be healed and restored to community. And then, when the one comes back and is grateful, Jesus says that gratitude is almost equivalent to what it is to be faithful. That gratitude is almost the same as what it is to worship. To thank God is to worship God. I came across two quotes I want to share with you that I find very helpful in why it's so important that we come to worship and why it's so important that in this space we give God thanks for anything and everything and it has a benefit for each of us. John Burkhart wondered if humans can survive as humans without worshiping. To withhold acknowledgement, to avoid celebration, to stifle gratitude may prove as unnatural as holding one's breath. you remember as a kid sometimes just holding your breath as long as you could? And then finally breathing. <gasps> that breath. Our spirit, our soul breathes when we are grateful. And our soul needs us to express gratitude if we are to be alive. C.S. Lewis reflected on his experience reading the Scriptures and spending time with Christians. He writes, I noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced minds praised the most. While the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised the least. Praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. Isn't that a great phrase? Praise, thanking God, is inner health made audible. Do you know that the scientific and medical worlds are proving what the ancient people intuited? There have been studies done in universities, by medical staff, and in hospitals, that the gratitude quotient, the higher the gratitude a person has, the quicker that person recovers. The higher the gratitude of a person, the greater the immune system is. There's a direct correlation. Gratitude is not to satisfy God. Gratitude is a gift that God gives us to live into so that we can be healthy, and whole, and filled with love and compassion. Gratitude may be the key that God has given us in this passage that we need to unpack. Remember last week we were talking about moving from scarcity to abundance. The scarcity mindset is, I'm not good enough, I'm not successful enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not, you fill in the blank. 
We don't have enough money. We don't have enough security. We don't have enough success. We don't have enough you fill in the blank. That's the mindset of scarcity. And that is the culture in which we live. But followers of Jesus are invited into a place, a spirituality of abundance. Do you know in Psalm 23 in the message, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. That's the spirituality of abundance. That's where God hopes we can spend more of our time. And we talked about two ways last week about how to move from scarcity to abundance. One was by serving others. Serving others in need, whoever they are, can sometimes move us from scarcity to realize we have so much. The other was through deep prayer, contemplative prayer that can move us from a fear-based model of scarcity to a trust-based model of abundance. But today I want to lift up a third way that can move us from scarcity to abundance, and that is practicing intentional gratitude. Pastor Sharon did that so well right here with our kids. To at the end of the day, look at your five fingers and think of five of our senses. What are we grateful for that we've seen, that we've heard, that we've touched? Maybe just five things. You don't even need to match them up with your senses, but before you go to bed, to think of five things that you're grateful for. Maybe intentional gratitude is calling someone up today on the phone and saying, hey, we talked about gratitude today. What are you grateful for? Because my list is somewhat short. I want to know more about what people are grateful for. What are you grateful for? Maybe on your ride home from church today, if you're riding with someone who is in this sanctuary, you can say, what's on your list? Maybe at brunch today, you can ask each other, how are you? (laughs) And I encourage you to try it. Say, I'm grateful. And start some conversation with one another about that. I close with this reflection from Steve Garnis Holmes on this passage. He writes, Take nothing for granted, even sunlight or breathing. Don't let your privilege blind you to the sheer undeserved miracle of your blessings. Don't think you're entitled to colors or conversation. Let gratitude overwhelm you sneak up behind you and lift you off of your feet. Pick anything to practice on. The sunlight on the poorly painted ledge of the apartment across from yours, standing as if ready to leap off into your arms. Pick something and give thanks. When someone asks you how you are today, say, grateful. Then use the surprised pause to think of what for. The person looking at you quizzically may give you a hint. How are you? Me too.
Amen.